This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It was lively. It was nasty. And there were lots of zingers. I'm speaking, of course, about last night's final leaders debate. Out of the gate, Kathleen Wynne came on strong with her latest slogan, appropriating the pop culture expression, sorry, not sorry. Andrea Horvath went against type. She was newly combative and interrupted the others repeatedly. Presumably her handlers told her to take charge. And Doug Ford took a lot of heat for his lack of a fully costed program, even though the voting has already started. His performance was a bit clumsy at times, but he got a central point across warning that the prospect of an NDP government is scary, especially for business. So where does this leave us? Did last night change your mind? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free one 866 40. Of course, the larger question, did it change many minds and votes? We practically have a party in studio today. We welcome Kim Wright, NDP strategist. She was an advisor to NDP leader Howard Hampton, and she is with H&K Insights. Mike, Mike Van Solen from Navigator Limited. He's a conservative. And Bob Richardson, a liberal senior counsel with National Public Relations. Hi, and welcome to you all. Great to be here. Thanks Good afternoon. Okay, so who who won, or was there a winner? Uh, let's start with Kim. This. Well, I think we're all going to say our respective leaders won and did what they needed to do to get their points across, some better than others. The reality is that Andrea has a plan, a platform that's been out for coming up on two months. Uh, the Liberals have just put out one, and we're still waiting, even though many Ontarians have cast votes, we're still waiting for Doug. But apparently he has a caucus and a cabinet all picked out, a little measuring the drapes as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, I appreciate that, uh, Kim's uh, sentiment. We heard, it from, uh, we heard it from Andrea last night, and there was a lot of criticism of, uh, of the PCs, for sure, for not having a fully costed platform yet. But I also think Ontarians appreciate that, really, the PCs have pulled together this campaign, their leader. In, in record time, and there's a lot of work that goes into rolling out a platform um, that's fully costed so that Ontarians could see it. Uh, what we're seeing is that, and, and what I feel in talking to people around the different neighbourhoods, is that people want the PCs to get it right. They appreciate that Doug has made a lot of announcements already to date about affordability, and those messages are resonating. I thought last night, if you know, to be really honest with your listeners, I thought Doug started out a little clunky. He was a little awkward. He seemed nervous. And I've never seen that from him. I, I don't know if it would have a humanizing effect for some people who don't know how to quite take him yet. Uh, but he really uh, then did well. I felt he got his stride in the second half. And sort of those bumper sticker sort of way in which he talks, um, when I look on Twitter and things today, they, they play, they're playing better than maybe they even seemed on the screen on, on the first go. 
Well, I thought uh, Kathleen had a strong performance yesterday. I thought she was thoughtful. I thought she was knowledgeable. She's a bit too academic still. Uh, I think she needs to be a little bit more political and punchy in her answers. But I thought she she did uh, a good job. I thought uh, Doug Ford clearly showed. And, and, and I would say I don't think anybody was a big winner or, or a big loser. I will say I thought Doug Ford was the worst of the three performers. I thought he showed he had no experience, no knowledge, and very little education when it came, uh, comes to Ontario. I think he is the least qualified leader of any political party in Ontario in the last well, so, 30 sorry, years. Sorry, I have sorry, to. Sorry, I have to step uh, in. And, and, and by the way, don't take my word for it. <laughs> um, his personal numbers are clearly tanking because they rolled out their team today to kind of back him up and do visuals with him, something that they've resisted doing for the last three weeks. So don't take my word for it. They're already Bob, compensating for Bob, his weaknesses. Okay, Bob, okay Bob, I love it. They're interrupting each other just like last night. Bob, the uh, I think the the thing that we miss, especially those of us sort of in the political bubble uh, who who are used to this on a day in day out basis, is that the average Ontarian. I'm not sure they just want the most polished, experienced career politician. They're looking to sh- the time for a change. Sentiment is so strong, and that's why you know. Well, you will look at Doug in one way. I think the average Ontarian may see Doug uh, as something very different. They see him as someone who isn't perfectly polished, who hasn't rehearsed all his answers, who is taking a layperson's approach to government and thinking about it differently. And that's where it may not resonate with you, uh, you know, in, in the downtown bubble in which we inhabit, but I do think uh, it may resonate with Ontarians in ways that you may not uh, anticipate today. But you know what? I, the, there's another way of describing that. That's calling not doing your homework and being inexperienced. And by the way, Doug is a politician. He's been a politician for years. He's been a councillor. He's run for mayor. He's run for leader of his party. This is his fourth big election. This I'm not a politician nonsense needs to be put to bed. You know what? He's that's, as much of a politician yeah, as anyone is. That is a good point. You, now, you can't can, fundamentally say, I was part of a $13 billion government and then say, but I'm not a politician. But we all appreciate the, he's, the, just, he's just arrived on the Ontario scene. Toronto is the biggest jurisdiction. He is on a big stage. And frankly, Ontarians expect a platform. They expect our, to know what is going to happen, at least during the Harris years. We had the common sense revolution. I didn't agree with it. I didn't agree with creating a crisis in education in Ipperwash and Walkerton. But you guys did it. And at least there was a platform. Doug has nothing other than a group of people for a photo op who may or may not be in cabinet because the rest of his candidates are under investigation from Elections Ontario. I, um I appreciate the fondness with which you you spoke of the common sense revolution, <laughs> and, and that and that I, I and remember that, it less fondly. And, 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 and that great time in our party's history. And I think people in Ontarians are, are looking for that again, and they appreciate that. Well, they're certainly they, not they, getting they, it from you they, guys. They, you they have no platform. They appreciate I mean, I mean, that the Doug and the day. team have had to work really hard in the last couple of weeks, uh, the last couple of months since since he became leader, and that things are a little chaotic. But at the same time, they appreciate the simple announcements that he. He's making and people mock, you know, a buck of beer, but that that speaks to affordability. He's made billions of dollars in promises. He said no one's getting laid off. Uh, you know, people are just wondering and to keep hammering four cents on the dollar of fine deficiencies, but not right. where. I mean, I, I, no, I, I think look, that uh, really and, and, is and a problem. And I, I think buck of beer be d- looks credible when you have a plan. 
and right. you're putting it out. I, and, I can I can accept that, and, and I get that. And when you have a plan, when you don't have a plan, it looks like a stunt, oh. and that's the difference between the two things. Okay, oh. Mike, well, go ahead. The, the liberal the liberals would certainly know stunts um, and offering things that they uh, well costed. Uh, we'll see deficits in this province uh, till the end of time. Uh, I I think the. Uh, Look, this stuff is breaking through, and it's not the perfectly packaged piece that everyone wants to see. And I and look, at the end of the day, the PCs will have to bring out their platform, as they've committed to do. Except and on, people are already voting. Well, I know. They, people have already, an opportunity. People have do have an opportunity. polls in this, in this right. province I, I want to change the subject, because we're, we're getting a little repetitive sure. here, okay? <laughs> so, um, right after the debate, a lot of people were upset with... Andrea Horvath, because she kept interrupting people, sometimes in an almost Trumpian way, saying, not true, that's wrong, right in the middle of someone's sentence. Now, was that because she's a woman and a different standard would be applied to a man, or was that because her brand is something different, um, and does it carry over into today? I, I think at the end of the day, when people say such bald face uh, rhetoric and in some cases complete untruths, I think you have to call that out of what it is. And Andrea got that point across. Uh, people can debate whether or not it's a gender thing or, but at the end of the day, Andrea is going to call out truths and truths are uh, sometimes not happy to see, but people are doing it. And look, at last election, Andrea was well-known and well-branded as the Steel Town Scrapper. People want somebody who is going to fight for them, but also be a premier. And what I saw on that stage last night from Andrea was the empathetic, caring, supportive leader who has a plan and a platform that is ready to go. And I didn't see that from Doug. And I, what did you think of Andrea's performance and the interruptions? I'll, I'll be really honest in saying that I thought she was she was scrappy and overall did a decent job in a debate setting. And and at the same time, while I've seen this sort of meme, uh, this conversation that she interrupted too much, uh, it was not perfectly honest, my, my impression at the end of the debate. But what I did hear come out through the course of the debate was uh, the concerns uh, that I thought both, uh, I thought uh, the Premier raised very well and I thought Doug did as well is how much is this going to cost? The The NDP plan looks so expensive. The energy file is a great way, a place to start. There's lots of ideas of, of making energy rates more affordable but no, nothing in their plan. Well, they have a plan. I get it's cost. Uh, with deficits standing the time. There's no uh, explanation how they're going to push costs out of the system. And I think that's the worry for the NDP in this election. As, you know, they, they've peaked, you know, at midpoint. Uh, have they reached their ceiling? Are people going to start looking at, at the cost of everything that's been on offer a little bit more closely as a result of, uh, of where they are in this campaign today? Well, I thought, uh, I thought Andrea did actually quite a good job last night. I thought she did the job that she probably had to do. I thought, however, she was weak on the back-to-work uh, legislation question. That was a with, really good question from Kathleen unions. Wynn. And, it's, and York University, unfortunately for her, is the best example. That has been a rogue union for 30 years that has created a, a problems for four or five different presidents for 30 years and has always been way out there. It's the perfect example of why you de do need to have the tool of back-to-work legislation because you shouldn't let 
basically what's going on at York University today is a hostage taking and it should end and it needs to be legislated back to work tomorrow and uh, that should be one of the things that needs to get done so I thought I, I thought she was weak there other than that I have to say I thought she was a good performance and this business about her interrupting it's a debate yeah. of yeah. course she's interrupting so you got to expect this isn't a tea party at the Windsor Arms you know so uh, you got to expect that sort of stuff and I thought she did an all right job uh, what about Kathleen Wynn did did she does it matter what she did at this point well you know let's see I'll be frank I'm I'm not part of the campaign team I am a liberal but uh, I, I will say look we're in tough we're likely not forming a government this time out uh, did it make a difference between the number of liberals that get elected next time I hope it does, and I hope uh, I hope uh, we elect a lot more members. I thought Kathleen did a very, very good job. Uh, she worked hard. I thought she was measured, balanced. I, I thought she got most of her messages out. I felt pretty good about it. Yeah, she she was the most she's the most accomplished uh, debater. I, I thought you know as far as uh, uh, you know providing a brief on what government would look like, she did a really j- good job. Um, and uh, and I think it'll be the concern for the NDP that uh, you know we saw uh, Kathleen Wynne in some respects reintroduce herself. This sorry not sorry. I wasn't big on the on the actual language, but I think some self awareness that she's not where uh, you know she might like to be as, in terms of personal popularity. Uh, I thought that probably worked and and I could see some of the the progressive left uh, uh, vacillating as to where they ultimately want to put their boat okay let's uh, let's take a couple of calls okay we've got uh, Bernie in Mississauga hi Bernie yeah how you doing Libby fine how are you yeah very good debate last night I, I was very uh, I look at Kathleen Wynne she had a good night but I think she's a spent force I think Doug Ford would have been good about 30 or 40 years ago for that mentality and as far as Angela Horvath I think she did an excellent job I think uh, when Ford was telling his misdemeanors and, and not backing them up that she she called him out on it and said you're not telling the truth and uh, I think overall she did a very good thing and I'll be voting in VP Okay. Thanks for that, Bernie. Thanks, Bernie. (laughs) Okay. Jim in Hanover. Hi, Jim. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to comment on uh, uh, Andrea. I thought she was very ignorant. I thought when people are talking, it was their right to talk, their time, and she kept interrupting when they were talking. And to me, that shows a lack of class. And your staff there that said it's all right, it's a debate. Well, each one had time to speak. You don't interrupt when Mr. Ford is speaking. You listen. And uh, as far as his platform, how can you have an accurate platform when you don't know what winners done? You don't know what the books are. How much do we owe? How much can we do? It's all right to guess and say you're going to do all this. But you better find out what the books are and how deep in debt we really are before you go blasting off and spending money. Did you change your mind, or uh, is this kind of where you always were? Uh, Confirmed me. I'm voting forward. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Okay. (laughs) Yes. One by one. (laughs) Bob, I'm afraid you're going to... This is a lot like the polling data right now. Yeah, (laughs) you you might have to wait a while before we get somebody (laughs) voting liberal here. Well, that's okay. Okay, John and Whitby. Hi, John. Good afternoon. As far as an election goes, I think you're an absolute fool if you vote according to what the debate is. Running this province is not according to who wins a debate. One of the major factors in this election is debt. This province has more debt 
than the state of California. Now, how can you as a grandparent, and are there any grandparents with your talking heads there? I imagine there aren't. But how are you, as a grandparent, being able to pass this debt on to your grandchildren? It's absolutely stupid. So uh, did you change your mind? Anything you heard? No, no, I don't. I don't care. I, I don't care. Whatever this thing called a platform is, I could care less. If he is going to save this province money, then fine. Go ahead and do it. You know, I look at Kathleen, the Liberals. I look at under her McGinty. I look at Bob Ray with his Ray Day. And don't tell me that he had a very bad time. It was a recession and all that crap. And I look at what uh, Mike Harris did. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. And he got voted in. So as far as I'm concerned, you got to save the money. It's as simple as that. Okay, John, so, thanks so, for that. So let's save the money with a guy who's going to cut hydro rates, cut taxes, not fire anybody, uh, give away free beer or whatever that promise was on the weekend and everything else. I'm glad you're on side, Bob. And, 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 has, and has no fiscal plan. Perhaps maybe instead of uh, uh, focusing on the state of California, you might want to go uh, read what he has to say and what he's saying because he is no fiscal conservative. And more importantly, there are expectations of what people expect the a government of Ontario to be a part of and a delivery. And if I can just look back and having spent a lot of time at Toronto City Hall, uh, there are some serious concerns about the fiscal responsibility of what happened during the Ford administration. Bus routes were cancelled. Firefighters were, were struggling. At the end of the day, there are lots of things you can look at and say, we're going to save 4% or whatever the number is. But when I start to look at that, that's 780 schools. That's a ton of nurses. And my father is in long-term care, and my nieces and nephews are in the are in the school system. At the end of the day, I want to make sure people are taken care of. Uh, I want to make sure that they have a, a, a sense of hope, but also that our government is going to be there. Doug's tax cut is 18 bucks for most of us, 1200 for people like Doug. What is that going to get me? It doesn't even buy me a pizza at the end of the day. So I want to make sure I have the services that are necessary for my friends and my family to be taken care of. Not because I think government should be part of everything, but they should have a role to play in how we, how we manage a, a society. Okay, let's hear from Ron in Guelph. Hi, Ron. Hello there. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I'm like Andrea Horwath last night. I was quite surprised the question about uh, back-to-work legislation came from Catherine Wynne, Kathleen Wynne and not uh, uh, Doug Ford. But um, I'm still, she danced around the subject as far as I'm concerned because uh, she never did answer. Um, I remember what happened in the, uh, with the NDP in the uh, early 90s when um, they banned strike breakers and uh, all of a sudden there were a number of companies that I could mention in Ontario that decided to go south because they, uh, the unions had so much power. I think you spoke to that even last week that um, um, are the unions going to use this as an excuse now to um, to say, okay, it's like the rogue union you just mentioned at uh, York University. A lot of these guys, and I'm a union person. I've been part of the ATU for over 20 years, but I've seen what happens when they get too much power as well. So who are you voting? Pardon? Who are you voting for? I will be voting for the Conservatives. Wow. And did anything last night change your mind, or you, did you decide that beforehand? Well, I decided that probably beforehand because um, I've seen what the Liberals have done for 15 years, and I'm really afraid 
of um, what, I mean, a lot of, like a lot of the ideas that the NDP has, but I'm afraid of what they're going to do um, if they do get in and they uh, decide that, nope, they would never bring back-to-work legislation back, and the unions decide that uh, we're going to hold, uh, if they decide what would happen if they, a lot of these companies, if they uh, hold, uh, like the car companies and whatnot, if the uh, unions hold the companies to ransom. Okay, Ron, thanks for that. Okay, thanks. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break, but we are going to be back with much more on the debate with uh, our three strategists from all three parties and more of your calls, your comments, your questions. The numbers again before we go to break, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we'll be right back with Kim, Mike, and Bob. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. We're back with our post-game show, and it's lively. It's just about as lively as that debate. Less nasty, I hope. And we have a lot of people waiting to give their opinion. So let's go to Alan Brantford. Hi, Al. I just want to say a word off the top. Open bid contracting for the province of Ontario would give Ford more than his 4% that he's looking for. I asked, him, I asked him personally at a meeting out here, would you go up and do what Dalton McGinty promised twice, win promised three times, to open up the Ring of Fire in northern Ontario? There's tens of thousands of jobs up there waiting. Uh, I was in business back when Bob Ray was in power, and I was giving keys to factories to get them emptied out of all the machinery for one purpose, to give it back to the landlord, because they were going out of the country heading south. Some went to Asia, some were going south to Georgia and Alabama. That's the difference between knowing how to run a business and not knowing how to run a business. Okay, so uh, should I gather from this that you're voting for Ford? I'll tell you, I know Andrea Horwath. My son lives in her writing, and I was totally disappointed in the way she performed last night, just as a person. It was it was just impolite, disgusting, anything you want to call it. Like a like a spoiled little kid not getting her way. Ooh. Okay. That's my, that's my take. Thank okay, you. Al, thanks for that. Yeah. Uh again, um is she being held to a different standard because she's a woman? Well let let I, me I, let me leap in here just for two seconds. I, I was I was Lynn McLeod's chief of staff in oh, nineteen ninety five, who was the first I woman covered that election. Who was the first woman to be a political leader in Ontario. If she stood up and was tough in the legislature, she was called a word, which I think most of your uh, 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 listeners would know. And if the men did it, they were considered to be uh, tough and doing their job. So there is a double standard for women here that is very tough. And I think she was trying to get in, and it's a debate. She's also been a parliamentarian for 10 years, and I think she's used to the sort of cut and thrust of those things. I think people are holding her to to uh, to a standard that they wouldn't necessarily hold a man. Let's let's talk about that election. I remember that election well, because... Well, actually, this election reminds me a lot of that election. Okay, so that was... parties reverse ni- roles. 1995, and I remember this is like... I think about these things in terms of like how good was my assignment. So about three weeks before the election, my boss came to, to me and said, Lib, I'm going to let you be with the mi- winner this time, Lynn McLeod. <laughs> 
Well, this, well, but this election reminds me a bit of that. You have a governing party that's probably not going to be the governing party afterwards. Let's be frank and honest here. It was the NDP last time. It's the Liberals this time. You have an opposition party that's sort of measuring the, the drapes. That was us in 95. It's the Conservatives this time. And you, have a, uh, you had uh, the third party whose leader was... Uh, experience having been through an election with a pretty clear plan and this time around it's an experienced uh, leader with a pretty clear plan so although it's different different uh, parties it's uh it's got the same feel to it so and, and I, I i have the uh, i have the stripe on my back to show for that okay well and and it's interesting that one of the themes last night and actually the best question from the audience to each of them was how will you make sure history doesn't repeat itself and for Andrea Horvath the Bob Ray government seems to be uh, an albatross. It, it is always the boogeyman <laughs> that people want to bring up. And I just wrote an insight piece on hkinsights.ca, putting in a plug <laughs> for my company, uh, that was about, does Andrea have the bench strength? What was the experience like in the past? And how do you grow from that? I mean, at the end of the day, people learn from what has happened in the past. They learn from good experiences and not experience. And just as a caveat, Andrea wasn't part of the caucus in 1990. She wasn't part of the Ray government. Uh, and, and I think she has her own different stamp on things. Uh, but what I can tell you is that there were some, as much as people want to make jokes about some silly ministers stuff, there are also some extraordinary ministers like Francis Lankin, who's now a senator. And and there were some things that happened that were really great. There are some things that, gosh, I wish I wasn't governing during a recession, but there we were. Uh, and, we, and we move on. But people... Some people have long memories, and you can never let things go from then. At the end of the day, Andrea's put together an ambitious and achievable platform, uh, and she's she's moving forward on it. And people are looking for these type of solutions. There, you know, I look at things like time of use pricing on hydro. You know, goodness me, actually making dinner during dinner. I can't believe. You know, there's just a great example that I can't believe the NDP are abandoning time of use. It's, let, it's let's not just, about let's, abandoning it. It's actually not worked on the conservation goal. So actually, let's help seniors to actually get things accomplished. A party that believes that people need to see the price on carbon, for example, and then to to abandon time of use, which we have put so much time and effort into as a province to put it in, because we think it's important that people have an ability to uh, manage their use, to, to avoid and save money. And I get... So I get now we say it's unfair to seniors. It's unfair. It's a sexist policy. It's unfair to women. Uh, But... For a party that believes in the environment, for the, a party that wants to decarbonize, and we, and decarbonize the economy, to then pull back on a policy that's, that's already in place is just shocking to me. But it's a policy that's not working. So just leaving a policy in place that isn't, frankly, hitting the achievable goals of reduction and, and, and use is ridiculous. It's frankly, it's a tax grab that doesn't have a relevance to people's lives. It's fact, it's 20% of what people predicted it would be on conservation. Okay, so I think I'm, there's should I'm be transparency. I'm, I'm waiting for transparency from the Tories at this point. Get me a platform, and I'm, I'll tell you I'm, what to do. What you can do with I'm it. I'm jumping in, okay? Because we have to uh, take some calls from our listeners. Susan in Toronto, you're a first-time caller. Hi there. Hi. I'm a senior, almost 80 years old, and I'm dead. I'm I'm very um, upset about people wanting something for nothing. Where where is the money going to come from with this NDP platform? Everything is free. 
I mean, there's so too many freebies. We have to earn our whatever we we are entitled to. So let, we have to be concerned about debt in this in this province, which is astronomical. But my concern is mainly the debt and too many freebies for, from the NDPs. Okay, so who are you going to vote for? PC. Okay, and have you did you decide that a long time ago? Um, yes and no, on and off. Back and forth, but definitely not NDP. Okay, thanks, Susan, for that. Thank you. Let's go to John in Brampton. Hi, John. Hi, Libby. Um, I don't know who the people are that you have as guests, but I thought I had dialed into a to the you know that television show The View, where where people <laughs> talk over each other and say nothing. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the point I wanted to make: number one, I'm voting conservatives, no ifs, buts, or maybes. Um, but am I the only person who's heard this? It, it seems that a little over a year ago, the NDP and the Liberals made a deal um, that uh, really gave Kathleen Wynne an opportunity uh, to uh, stay on for a couple of months or six months, whatever. I, I don't. I, I'm going to stop you right there because it sounds uh, everybody's frowning and shaking their heads. I certainly have never heard that. Uh, so. I don't think um, we should put it on air. It doesn't sound like anything that has any credibility at all. It does. It does. This is coming from one of the people in the NDP. Oh, well, uh, we have head shaking here. So, John, uh, thanks for uh, telling us where your ballot will be going. I do do think that in a minority government situation... um, you know, it's not hard to contemplate the Liberals and the NDP uh, some sort of cooperation. They are, they are aligned uh, in many ways. We, we heard it in the, in the debate last night where uh, uh, Ms. Horvath and, and Ms. Wynne both complimented that, you know, we come from similar spaces. So, uh, you know, as people, as people look to the potential outcomes of this election, I think it is, it is possible to contemplate the, the Liberals and the NDP cooperating. I'm not uh, sure, I'm not sure I 100% agree with you on that. I, I think it is difficult to cooperate with Doug Ford from what you can see so far and based on his track record at City Hall. But if they don't win a clear election, I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see him shown the door by conservatives either uh, after this election because expectations are so high. Um, So, you know, there are other people in the conservative party who are more reasonable to deal with. And uh, I wouldn't write that. You mean while he's premier? Uh, well, let's see if he's if he, premier. If he's premier. He, he could be a Frank Miller premier, where he gets the most seats, but it is in a minority and uh, comes in with stuff that's unacceptable to the majority of the elected members of the legislature and has shown the door. Uh, so, when, what, when I which look is at what the numbers, in 1985. When I look at my take on what's happening as of today, I don't see a minority government. You know what? I tend to agree. I think, and the Conservatives have a very efficient vote, uh, so and and uh, which tends to skew older, and older people tend to vote. So I think the NDP are far from home free at this point. I think they're in a poised to be in a good position to make uh, some gains, uh, but uh, they've got a lot more work to do if, uh, if they're uh, going to be there to secure a government. Well, I hate to say this to you, Bob, uh, but I think we're a, a minority is unlikely because 
I don't think the liberals are going to have enough to hold a balance of power. Well, you know, that's why Kathleen's performance was important last night. I think she did do the job she needed to do. But uh, we're in tough. There's no uh, question about that. I think if everything goes well for us, you get 20 seats or something like that. If everything doesn't go well for you, you get a whole lot less than that. So, uh, you know, I think right now our job and, and look, we've been in office for 15 years. This happened. It happened with the Harper government. We can go through a whole variety of other ones. Um, our, our job is to remind uh, liberals of the record of things that we've done well uh, and to ask them for their vote as, as the party looks to rebuild as it goes forward. And I think at the end of the day, and Andrea has been quite clear, she is not interested in a in making any sort of minority deals with the Liberals, because frankly, there are far too many things around hydro privatization, for example, that the Liberals and the Conservatives frankly agree on. There might be some tinkering around the edges, but... I don't see Doug uh, bringing hydro back into public hands, and certainly Kathleen is not willing to do that either. So there are a lot of things that are off the table, and after 15 years of liberal governments that haven't quite gotten it done, uh, you know, the the NDP have some serious concerns about their willingness to actually move on on items that are of importance to everyday Ontarians. Okay, well, let's hear from... Don in Toronto, I think you have something to say about that. Hi, Don. How are you today? Fine. Yeah, first of all, I didn't catch everybody's name at the beginning, but I heard uh, the lady there say a few minutes ago... Kim Wright. ...that she would only get, like, 18 bucks, wouldn't buy a pizza. Well, let me tell you something, lady. There's people out there that can't even afford a pizza. The second thing is, the NDP made a deal to when... uh, Andrea went to the Liberals, and we're going to cut the car insurance. When was that, a year and a half ago? That was when the Liberals had a minority. Yeah. And the Liberals went back on the deal. That's right. So what did Andrea do? Doesn't she go fight for the people if they do this and say they're going to cut it? Or we just let it slide under the table like everything else? The Liberal government is a piece of you-know-what. I've watched these people in my neighborhood... You know, there's a, excuse me, there's a lot of elderly people here. All I hear about is free pills, free this, free that. You know that some of these seniors, their health is fine, but they're eating soup because they can't afford anything else. Health is fine for everybody, but what about these people who can't put potatoes on the table? Okay, so what's, uh, I mean, uh, what is uh, your question then? Are you criticizing the NDP or the Conservatives or the Liberals for breaking no, their I'm promises? I'm a Conservative 100%. And I even heard on the, your news station today about, what's his name, Thomas at City Hall, like spending $75,000? Thompson. Pardon me? Michael Thompson. Yeah. That's a whole other level of I know, it's a level whole other of can of worms. But all I'm saying is, why aren't they lowering the taxes so seniors can survive. You know, and uh, you know, the, uh, another thing, the, the stupid city, the kids get on the bus for free and then they say they got no money. Why can't they charge a quarter? You okay, know, that's that's a whole be, other discussion, Don. <laughs> because, okay, and we oh, have, oh, we have a municipal... I'll get off the phone. The NDP, I wouldn't trust her with my dog. The wind government, we already know what she did. Doug Ford, 
he'll move forward because he wants to save people money. Okay. Have a good day. Thanks, Don. I think it's safe to say you're holding your base. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, and I do, you know, there are, uh, there is an idea in conflict in this election that Ontarians will have to sort out. And what does more affordable, um, uh, what does a more affordable life look like? And you know, while while the NDP will have you believe that a tax cut isn't really going to help help you, um, I also think people look at the promises like free daycare, free pharmacare, um, uh, you know, free this, free that, uh, no real plan on hydro, and that life can start looking really expensive too. Um, there's different ways, of course, to 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 make life more affordable. Uh, I think you know the the and uh, the difference in daycare approaches, for example, and, and there 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 was an interesting exchange about that last night um you know fully licensed capped, fully... capped with a zinger where yeah. kathleen Wynne said to doug ford have you ever been to a daycare <laughs> yeah. but he said they close at 4 30 i'm sure they don't they close at five yeah well and five and it... or six and if you are late if you have to work too bad yeah and there, there, and there's a lot of people who won't be able to uh, use the fully licensed daycare the way he just the way the way it's designed. Uh, it's it's the nature of of that uh, offering. Whereas the the conservative approach is is to put some money in people's hands. And whether they're using formal daycare or they're using it more informal settings, this is what uh, my wife and I used uh, often uh, for for our children as well. Um, it's. I think those ideas of leaving more money in people's hands uh, does represent affordability, and I do think there'll be uh, there'll be a big group of people who look are looking for that come election day. Okay, so- we've got to take another break, and we will be right back with more on our post debate show and more calls and comments from you. Back after this. Fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. We are back with our post-election commentating. I'm going to go right to the phones to start and just having a look here. Daryl in Toronto. Hello, Daryl. Hi, how are you doing today? Fine, how are you? I'm hanging in. Anyway, uh, the question I have basically lately, uh, Doug Ford and the Conservatives trying to lay what the NDP government of Bob Ray did upon... Horvath um, and the current NDPs—is that true, or is that just their idea of a joke? Uh, well, they're trying to make that stick. You tell me. Well, I mean, my my concern is if they want to make that that way, then uh, are they willing to accept responsibility for uh, terrorist government? Let's say selling off the 407 to international investors uh, and giving all those profits away that could have been coming to our province. Uh. Look, I I, I think uh, all parties <laughs> all parties have past governments in in their the history that uh, uh, you know, and if we take the the best or the worst I, moments I think from any, yes no them, answer would it would do. Oh. <laughs> Which, I, as the conservative, are you willing to accept that responsibility too, or you just want to lay past parties on current ones now for you know? Look, I, if we want to have people. a debate about past uh, past parties, I, I'm really happy to talk about what Mike Harris accomplished in Ontario, but. Uh, you know, you tell me. Well, in terms of the 407, you know, what, why did he sell it off? 
so that he could, you know, juggle his books at the time. And what damage did he do to the province? I have and to say that I... on the conservatives now. I, I asked Doug Ford about that. Right. And his answer was, fair enough. <laughs> that that it it was not a brilliant move, certainly in retrospect. But I, what I'm taking from you, Daryl, is that you're going to vote NDP, correct? Uh, listen, last election I voted Kathleen Wynn, and I cannot in good conscience do that again. Uh, and I, there's no way I could vote for Doug Ford. Uh, there's, there's no real substance going on there. There's been no real scrutiny of the person. How many years did it take to scrutinize Mr. Brown and get him thrown out of there? And then Doug Ford jumps in in a little. So what are you going to do? Minute. What are you going? I guess I'm going to have to vote NDP. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing with us. Okay, and I'd like to hear some answers from the conservatives on that thing, other than fair. You know, if 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 they're not going to hold responsibility for it for themselves, then they shouldn't be trying to hold other governments from 20 years ago, you know, over their heads of people now. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't disagree in that there are some things that people need to have a look at. Uh, are we are we entering another situation where we get into a Walkerton all over again because we're privatizing uh, agriculture services? We don't frankly know uh, what uh, the Ford administration, a potential Ford administration, might want it's to cut. It's one thing to privatize but you also have to make sure that you privatize with the right provider. Sure. And, and and those are questions. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, 407 being privatized uh, wasn't something that uh, we would have done. It's uh, certainly not something we're, we're a fan of. And frankly, we opposed. Uh, similar to last night, the absurdity of Doug suggesting that Andrea and the New Democrats didn't oppose hydro privatization. They've been opposing hydro privatization since I was at Queen's Park. Uh, that is not new. They have been doing it. They have been raising that alarm bell. And frankly, uh, Howard Hampton become, uh, being referred to as a prophet on what was going to happen in terms of hydro privatization. Uh, at the end of the day, there are lessons to be learned from history, but there are also things that you can do as a government to do things better. And I think that's what Andrea has put together in this 100-page platform, uh, Change for the Better, because it doesn't have to be this way. I, 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 you know, I take the point, um, and I believe, you know, that the NDP believes that almost all services in Ontario are best delivered 100% from public hands. The reality is there are efficiencies to be gained by looking uh, to to involving the private sector where possible. They, the private sector is already involved throughout the healthcare system, for example. We have a single-payer, single uh, government-provided OHIP system, which works very well. But the private sector is an important player in many aspects of how healthcare is actually delivered. That doesn't mean people are paying to go see their doctor. They're, they're accessing the, that service through their health card. Um, and that's and that, you know, I think the Liberals have done this, and, and you know, truthfully, it would continue under the NDP in many respects. Uh, and, and I think the PCs as well know that there are multiple ways to s deliver services to Ontarians, and you have to find the best way to do it. You have to put all the protections in place. I get that, but there are I, savings I, to be found. I, I agree, and I think that's that's one of the weaknesses of the NDP is they've got a bit of ideological blinkers on here, and also a little bit too beholden to some of the bigger uh, public sector unions. 
Uh, we do not need public sector responses to every single problem in this province. And I'm going to be critical of my own leader at this point and say there was too much of that in the last two or three years with the Wynn government. A perfect example of that is marijuana. There is no reason on the planet that the LCBO needs to run that. It needs to be regulated by government. We need to be tough in terms of the regulation, and it could be run by the private sector. Everything doesn't need to be run by OPSU, and everything doesn't need to be run by public sector uh, uh, corporations like the LCBO. Okay, let's hear from Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine. Now, there's a couple of things I've noted, in, and since somebody was talking about the the selling of uh, far, Highway 407, nobody has mentioned whether the corporation or how much taxes the, that corporation that owns a highway has paid into the provincial government in taxes or to the federal government. Uh, look, they certainly would have paid taxes. The truth of the D. Uh, the, the well, why don't we know how uh, much? Uh, but I'm sure we do. I, I don't happen to have the number, but okay. I'm just telling you that I think yeah. it's universally viewed by most observers as not a great business deal. Um, well, I think the, they're I think, making uh, a huge amount of yeah, money. They're making tons People of money, and, uh, and, and it's paid for itself many, many, many times over. And that's not to say that the model is necessarily bad. That individual transaction probably wasn't the best transaction that ever happened on the planet. Well, when I look at the 407, the part, when it was sold... Is now nearly double the size of it that it was then. But I, I'm not in favor of it. I won't drive on it because I'm not paying the double the tax. I'm not paying the 15 cents a kilometer and then paying the gas tax on top of that. So, I so won't Bob, did this debate change your mind on anything? No, not really. But what I'm upset about is that um, the NDP and the um, uh, Liberals are uh, looking at cutting corporate taxes. Well, corporations, they keep the money they need to operate their business, and the rest of the money, they dividend it out to shareholders. Just a minute, wages. you mean they want to increase corporate taxes? They want to increase it, yes. Sorry. And that you're upset And that by money that. is being taken out of pension funds, because pension funds and mutual funds and private individuals hold shares in these corporations, and they get paid dividends. And that's where, so if you're taking, cor- increasing the corporate tax, you're taking the money away from pensioners because their pension funds are going to be losing money. Their dividends, if they're private shareholders, are going to be taken away. Okay. And I don't agree with that. Okay, Bob, thanks for that. Okay, thank you. So, yeah. I don't know how big an issue that is. Well, I don't know how big of an issue it is for, for you know, uh, the average Ontarian corporate taxes. But I will say that if uh, people spend some time and, and, and think about the context and the times we find ourselves in, where south of the border they're reducing taxes, corporate taxes, where south of the border energy has never been uh, cheaper and fracking and all, and all these reasons. You can make any value judgments and look into it as you want. But by comparison, uh, operating a business in Ontario has gotten more expensive. Uh, the minimum wage is another factor in that. Um, so I do believe it has an impact on on our success as an economy, and and they are issues that Ontarians would do well to to consider. So I think 
there's the conversations about corporate tax, but there's also about quality of life. And these are the types of things that invest that people who are investing in businesses want to make sure that their employees can get to work on time. So there are investments in public transit that need to occur. You want to have a skilled workforce. You want to have uh, people who aren't sick, who can actually do their jobs and, you know, if they're part of a gig economy, uh, that they are taken care of. And all of these things go into a broader conversation about what kind of community. It isn't just about corporate taxes. That's part of the discussion, absolutely. But it can't be the end-all and be-all. Because if it's the end-all and be-all, then we wouldn't still be on the, the short list for Amazon. Okay, wait. Um, we are starting to run out of time, and I want to make sure that each of you gets an opportunity to leave us with something substantive. I don't know if you're ready to make a prediction. I actually called our AI person who has the AI computer, and they're not ready because things are so much still in flux. So, Bob, uh, prediction? Um, my prediction is it'll be an interesting election night. Um, I'm going to I'm going to take a pass at this point. I think it's uh, it's still a little bit in play. Uh, I think uh, Andrea Horvath is on the move, uh, but I think the Conservatives have an efficient vote. I think uh, Kathleen Wynne did a very good job for the Liberals last night, and I think might be able to attract some of that traditional Liberal vote home. I don't expect them to form the next government, but I think they may be able to maximize some of the seats that would have been maybe a little bit on the bubble. So interesting evening. Uh, Stay tuned. Get some popcorn. uh, Relax. It's going to be a long night, I think. Kim? I think we are in times where people are taking a real look at what Andrea Horvath and her team, and there is a team around her of really experienced parliamentarians, uh, as well as staff and some really quality candidates that uh, that just might surprise where uh, how good that they are going to be when when they get uh, when they get there. Now, I'm a superstitious type, as most political folks are. We don't like making predictions. We uh, we don't like to get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, this is why measuring the drapes is such a dangerous thing. Uh, so she says, I, looking at Mike. I say, looking at my conservative okay, friends. Okay, so let Mike go. Sure, sure. I, look, I'm going to first take uh, Doug's photo op today. I thought was interesting. I thought uh, putting together that that group was important. I think uh, I think the real test will be now that we're at this point when Ontarians really look at the NDP plan. Will it look affordable? And that's the question I think Ontarians are going to wrestle with in the coming. Uh, 10 days or whatever is left, and they'll have a real choice between the PCs and the Conservatives. Uh, As Bob points out, the PC vote's pretty efficient. I still think they're well-placed to win. And if you don't like either of those, we're happy to take your vote. Okay. (laughs) Okay, that is all the time we have. Callers, if we couldn't get to this, rest assured, we will be talking about this again before June the 7th. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Kim Wright, Mike Van Solen, and Bob Richardson. Come back anytime. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks for having us. And that is all the time we have for Fight Back for today. We now break for traffic and news. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, 
and The Garden Show.